you can't listen to it and be like, oh well, they half asked this or they're just they're just going right. through the motions. Yeah. And you know, I think that's really commendable for for a band like Architects that could they they could have wrote four or five versions of Lost Forever for the rest of their career and and sell out stadiums, but at this at this point in their career to take that kind of like sonic risk is is really cool. You're listening to It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to another episode of It's All Dead. I'm Kyle Hawk, editor-in-chief at itsalldead.com. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today here uh, just a little after the one-year mark of uh, the pandemic, one-year mark of living in isolation and separated from our friends and families and uh that sucks, but um, you know, one good thing, at least for me, recently has been a uh, just a glut of really great new music that has been released. And I was thinking back uh, to last spring, back when we were kind of first starting out and uh, being locked in, and um, there was a, a lot of really great releases that kind of kept happening in succession. It felt like every week there was a um, an, another great album to um, to dive into. And we're starting to get into that time of year now. Um, and just a few weeks ago, we had the release of Architects for Those That Wish to Exist, Julian Baker, Little Oblivions, um, being two albums that have been really impactful and uh, fascinating and exciting to dive into for me. And it's just been a, a welcome sort of reprieve from all of the... <laughs> the mental stuff that I feel like we're all of us are going through, but you know, architects specifically, this is a band that I discovered um, or really started getting into, I guess uh, back around 2014, with the released of uh, lost forever lost together, which incidentally was the first ever five-star review we gave um, on it's all dead. And that band has kind of um, hovered over everything that we've been doing with the site uh, for the past, you know, seven, eight years now. And it's a band that I've has been really important to me personally. And it's really fascinating because, you know, everything that they've gone through with the passing of, of Tom Surley and, um, you know, writing a, a record to, to say goodbye um, and kind of move on to this new chapter. You know, the new chapter is here with this new album. Uh, it looks different. It feels different. It sounds different. But at the heart of it, you can still feel um, everything that made Architects special. And I love this album so much. I wanted to talk about it. We've not really done a, an official podcast about Art Architects before. Um, so I reached out to Drew Beringer. Uh, you probably know him from AbsolutePunk.net uh, days and um, also from Chorus FM. He's a big Architects fan. He did a track-by-track write-up on Architects and spoke with their drummer, Dan Surley, about this album. And I reached out to him, thought it'd be really great to uh, chat a little bit about the history of Architects, what we're seeing with this new album, um, and, and just just the impact that they've had on the on the heavy music scene as a whole. So I'm really excited to talk with Drew. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Let's go ahead and jump in. All right. Very excited to have Drew Behringer on the podcast today. You know, if you listen to our show, if you come to our site, you are probably very familiar with Drew's work uh, from back in the day at AbsolutePunk.net, uh, currently at Chorus FM. Um, I have probably been following Drew's writing for 15 years now at this point, which is insane. Um, but uh, reached out recently because I was like, we got to get this guy on the podcast and talk about architects. And I'm so glad he could join us. Drew, thank you for taking time today. Uh, thanks for having me on here. It's, it's, thanks for reading my writing for so many years. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because it kind of goes back to this point of like, um, 
the the age of internet where I was starting to like connect with people outside of just my general friend network of like, oh, there's other people that listen to this music and we're kind of all into the same things, um, you know, and so probably back when I discovered Absolute Punk, I don't know, 2005, 2006 um, was when I started seeing all the content from, you know, you and Jason and, and everybody over there. Uh, you know, before we dive in to talk about architects, take me back a little bit about kind of how you came into um, that whole community in that scene. Uh, yeah, totally. That's, uh, it's kind of wild actually. Um, well, maybe not like super wild, but I, I am an older, older man for sure. And, um, <laughs> you know, the internet was way different than it was 20 years ago than it is now, obviously, mm-hmm. as I'm sure most people know. Um, but yeah, I, I've always liked this type of music since, man, I was like, 11 or 12 really just like i just loved alternative rock and i had an older cousin who uh introduced me into a lot of like cool music like i don't know like she got me into weezer in 94 when i was like in like fifth grade or something like and she always like would just let me um borrow some of her cds so like uh i guess like my heavy music like I got interested in heavy music because she lent me like the first Rage Against the Machine record, um, the first Corn record, so like stuff like that. Like just like blew my mind when I was right. that age. <clears throat> and then you know, as I got older, um, just always seeking out alternative stuff like that and heavy stuff. And um, I discovered Absolute Punk as a website in probably 2003 um when i when i was a senior in high school because i was very into taking back sunday and was like everyone very interested in why john and sean left the band and Mm -hmm. then they started straylight run so i uh searched for straylight run demos <laughs> and that led me to the absolute punk.net uh, website and forums and yeah. so yeah it's kind of like similar to what you said like i was like oh wow like people that are, are just not my friends in high school like everywhere around the the country likes this kind of music and i can discuss people the people who like actually like saves a day and not people in high school who make fun of me for liking saves a day and <laughs> um made a user account and just kind of would post on uh in the forums every now and then and um i remember reading the reviews like obviously like jason wrote a lot of really cool reviews that i remember seeing on the hype stickers on records for like say anything and stuff like that and i was like oh i wonder if i can do this so i uh you know i would write little crappy reviews on my zanga blog which is like the most outdated internet reference you could probably think of at the moment yeah man that was a thing (laughs) (laughs) and there was a staff writer for absolute punk who always did a see eye to eye with jason and I remember it was October 2005 when Thrice's VSU came out, and Jason wrote a very positive, glowing, deserved review for it. And the staff, other staff member thought it was a garbage record, and then he followed up Jason's review with his own review, just like trashing it. 
And so Jason deactivated all his staff powers and got rid of that guy. And he just like made a, a news post like, hey, we're looking for like a reviewer, just submit some writing. And I think I submitted two reviews. One was The Question by Emery, and the other one was Commit This to Memory by Motion City Soundtrack. Yeah, and, nice. Uh, yeah, I guess they were decent enough to get Jason's attention, and he asked me to be a staff writer. And it's grown into like we just we've been great friends since then. Like, yeah. Um, which is why like I still kind of help out with chorus and stuff because you know, um, I've always made a principle to never really write for free unless I'm writing on, on my own kind of blog or, or I'm getting paid for it. But, you know, I don't know. Jason's just such a really great friend. I like to help him out. I don't really see it as writing for free as just kind of, you know, contributing what I can just to, not that he needs my help for his site to, you know, survive, but, you know, it's just that friendship we developed over these last like 15, 16 years that, you know, so I, I kind of stay with it and, do the, the odd review here and there for chorus and um been doing uh, a few more interviews for the website more than reviews lately right um but yeah that's kind of just like a brief overview i, I mean yeah. my the first couple of years of being a staff writer for ap man i was a terrible writer man those reviews <laughs> suck they, I, I can't even read them i'm glad i'm glad yeah. they don't exist on the internet anymore yeah, there's uh, so much in my writing that I wish did not exist, but still does. That's uh, definitely a thing. <laughs> but, you know, that's how we learn. That's how we grow. But, uh, yeah, you've had a, a wild journey as a writer and just a, a voice in this music scene. I'm really excited to talk with you uh, about a band that I know you have a deep respect for and a, a lot of great thoughts on. So, you know, Architects, uh, we've not really talked about them on the podcast much. I mean, just kind of here and there. But I've been, you know, I've reviewed each of the albums uh, that's come out since um, It's All Dead has existed, starting with uh, Lost Forever, Lost Together, which was my introduction to the band. I was kind of, they were on my radar, I think. I knew of them, um, but that was the album that that really sucked me in. And then, of course, um, leading up to 2018's Holy Hell, which, um, again, if, if you don't know the backstory of this band, um, it's just, it's it's a lot to take in and it's fascinating what they've been through um, with their lead guitarist and primary songwriter, Tom Surley uh, passing away a few years ago of skin cancer um, and the band basically using the pieces he left behind to construct that um, uh, 2018 album, Holy Hell. And really it kind of left the band at a crossroads um, as far as what, what would happen next. And obviously they um, have come back with a new album for those that wish to exist, which is really a complete overall overhaul in terms of look, feel, sound. Um, and it makes total sense to me. And there's all kinds of reactions to it. And I'm excited to dive into that. Um, I, I mentioned that I kind of, you know, this, this band has put out nine albums now. They've been around forever. Um, I missed really the first half of their career, kind of those really, uh, those early days and they put out even a couple classic albums during that, like Hollow Crown um, and even Daybreaker, depending on on how you feel about that. W when did Architects come into your world, Drew? Like, what was your introduction into them where you really started following them closely? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I would have to say it's probably um, Hollow Crown. I remember uh, getting a, a email or, or a, a digital advance of that record and, and really liking it. Um, 
And yeah, it was on, I think, Century Media put it out in the States, I believe. That was their distro. I remember getting a lot of mm-hmm. stuff from them. And yeah, it was a really good record. Um, I think, um, I don't know, someone reviewed it for Absolute Punk that night. I don't think it was me. <laughs> but um, I'm looking on their Wikipedia page and it, it got a positive review. Um, I would say, I, I bet it was probably um, Alex DiVincenzo who, who wrote okay. that from back in the day but yeah that was my first one with them and then yeah the their fourth record is the one that i feel like i think that was the one that was like their most uh controversial one i feel like they were mm-hmm. they were trying to go into more uh commercial one and um it's kind of interesting because when i was talking to dan about their new record he kind of mentioned in passing like you know they they've tried to do this change in direction once before and it didn't work out so well for them and that right. they just didn't, they weren't that, they just didn't have the confidence yet in themselves as a band to pull it off. And then that's why Daybreaker was such a return to, uh, to that, to the heaviness. And then that makes sense that um, you said lost forever is probably, I feel like that's a lot of people's first introduction yeah. to the band. Um, Cause you know, it, it was put out by Epitaph here in the States. And so that that probably helped a little more promotion than um, their previous re- record. But it's also like just like a really great record. And it's like right at that peak when like, you know, like bands like Bring Me to Horizon and stuff were, were getting really mm-hmm. popular too. Yep. Um, but yeah, they've had a really incredible run. Um, with these last all the all their epitaph records have done really really well i believe yeah absolutely you know and the the interesting thing about this new album to me is you know th- there's this conversation around it and look i'm not you know i i enjoy metalcore as much as the next person but i've never been somebody that's like understood um just as this whole scene has shifted like the backlash towards somebody changing their sound, especially when it's done, you know, in, in good faith with good intent, which I think is most of the time, if you're an artist, you're going to create what you want to create. Um, but, you know, as the first singles from this started coming out, like Animals and Black Lung, that was kind of like the the general, you would see stuff of people being like, okay, like I'm, I'm on board for this, but I'm like not sure where this is going to go. And I remember, um, you know, it was probably last fall when those first singles started coming out and the uh, one of the, forums uh, or the uh, threads at chorus fm um you must have had the album at that point and we're starting to to do the work for apple music because you were kind of telling people like hey you're gonna have to listen to this like like you're gonna have to listen to the full album like a couple times like before you can come to any conclusions about this what what was that experience like for you like what what were those early listens of the album like and how many spins did it take because i'm you know i'm finding even now, like four or five, six times into the album, I'm kind of discovering something new and coming away feeling differently about it. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, I mean, this is a this is their it's a very dense record. It's the longest record mm-hmm. they've ever put out. It's basically an, it's it's an hour long, and I liked I liked Animals the first time I heard it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I think they've always been kind of their last the holy hell record you could tell like towards the end of that record is kind of was kind of leaning in that direction so i guess it didn't really yeah. take me by like a full surprise that uh, a style the style they used on animals 
was used. It's, um, I mean, still, it's still a heavy song. Um, I like it's, I like the industrial um, type of sound that is in it. But yeah, I think a lot of fans of any, really any particular genre, but definitely in like punk and emo and metal and stuff, it's, people like to hear, this, like, it's like sometimes it's just like comfort food and people like to hear the same kind of stuff. Right. And yeah. I mean, that's gotta be boring to play for sure if you're <laughs> in a band and yep. I mean, they've put out so many records with that style. You can always listen to that record. So I'll never, I'll never begrudge a, a, an artist or a band for trying new things. Cause if it's good, it's good. Like if it's not good, it's not good regardless of, you know, the style. I mean, we've heard plenty of bands in this genre that kind of do the same thing over and over. It's just diminishing yep. returns. So, and if, if this if animals wasn't a good song they try something new i mean they've done it in the past too like it, it it wasn't great the first time around um but you know they've been a band for a long time now they've they've obviously gotten better not just as songwriters but just you know dan dan and josh produced this record and they produced holy hell too so they, yep. they're showing more off their their production chops as well um, but yeah, I probably took a couple of listens to, you know, fully grasp what the band was trying to achieve with this record. Just like I said, it's very long, it's very dense. Um, and so it's not, I don't, I don't want to say, I mean, it's definitely they have accessible songs on there, but it's just, there's just a lot going on. And I think lyrically, it's their strongest record. Um, I think there's a good, push and pull between you know being optimistic and then the kind of nihilism that they're known for on their prior mm-hmm. records is still present throughout like it's just like a very honest realistic take on you know modern life um yeah but i would say you know probably by i don't know maybe like the fifth or sixth man i probably was getting full grass there's just, there was a period of time probably like in November or December was like, it was the only thing I was listening to. Like, I was just like, couldn't stop listening to it. Cause yeah, yeah. like you said, I just kept picking up different things and it's kind of funny because like, I would say probably a few weeks ago, the song little wonder was probably one of my least favorite songs. And like right now it's like the one song I can't stop playing from the record. So that's yeah. always cool with a record where, a song can be like in your bottom tier of the record to start mm-hmm. and then it just like one day just clicks and that's one of the songs that i'm just like oh wow th- yeah this song like really rips and yeah i think that's always a good sign for for a record um because we're just like so quick to with, with being able to just add something and stream it and i mean you are paying like a monthly fee but you're not really paying anything to listen to music like you were right. 10 years ago or even five yeah. years ago where it's just super easy to make a snap decision. Whereas, you know, when I was in even like college, like when I would go buy a CD or a record, like streaming didn't exist. So it's like, you know, you, yep. you spend 10 or 15 or 20 bucks and you know, you're gonna listen, listen to it a bunch. And that was probably why there's like certain records that, you know, we're, are, we're so adored back then because you put in the time to listen to it, but it's just so easy to be like, 
Oh, and the Architects record. Okay, it was okay. And then you can just go into Apple Music <laughs> or Spotify and then add another yeah. record to listen to. And, yeah. um, you know, that's, I think that's a, that's a big thing about it too. It's just the, there's not a lot of patience from people or listeners anymore for, for a lot of music. I, I'm the same way. Like there's, there's sometimes where I, I see a record and I'm like, wow, it's like, 20 tracks it's like an hour and a half i'm like i'm never gonna listen to this whole thing i don't have i don't have the patience for it and um it's kind of just like a bummer though one of the bummers of streaming is because a lot of artists will just like stack their records with 20 25 tracks just to kind of play the numbers game and skew it and get all those extra streams which conversation for another day but you know yeah it's it's a very dense record it's and that's what i was trying to like yeah tell people it's just like you know you know just kind of it it's either going to click for you or it's not going to click for you but you're not going to find that answer just after one or two listens with with a record like this yeah exactly um you know in your uh write-up for apple music there's there's this quote right at the top from dan where he says you know, we can do whatever we want. The ultimate question is, do we like it? And the answer with this album was yes. And I feel like you can feel that just listening to this album. It feels like this is an album that the full band has bought into, like, this is the direction we're going. This is who we are right now in this moment. As, as you spoke with Dan, what kind of takeaways did you have? What, what did he, you know, bring about in your conversation that you hadn't thought about or things that he kind of like opened your eyes to something about the album as you were talking with him? I mean, they just, they spent a lot of time with this record, like, and, and making it, um, um, he mentioned that I think they demoed like 25 tracks for it. So they, they wrote wow. and demoed a ton of, a ton of music for it. And it's the, one of the interesting things he, he mentioned to me was, I think animals was the second to last song they wrote for this record. So it was number like 24 or something. And so he mentioned, he goes, you know, if we were just focusing on just a 10 or 11 track record, like in the past, we would have never written a song like animals. It would never be on an architect's record. Honestly, I think, I think that's like their best performing single to date. Like it's doing huge numbers for them. And so that was kind of like, wow. it's like, you can tell like, you know, they're really putting in the work for this. You know, this is obviously kind of really the first full record without any of Tom's writing input. Mm -hmm. And so I think they really, you know, they really wanted to put in the time and effort, not just like for themselves to make a good record, but, you know, since, since Tom passed, you know, I think, they know that they just have, there's just a finite time on earth and they want, you know, to put their best effort into everything they do, not to really just like respect his memory and what he did for the band too. And, you know, I think that comes across throughout the record. I mean, whether it's, if you like the direction or not, you can't, you can't listen to it and be like, Oh, well they half asked this or they're just, they're just going through the motions. And, you know, I think that's really commendable for, for a band like Architects that could, they, they could have wrote four or five versions of Lost Forever for the rest of their career and, and sell out stadiums. But at this, at this point in their career to take that kind of like sonic risk is, is really cool. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, commendable is a great word for it. I mean, it's it's incredible that this album exists in the first place, just considering everything the band has been through and the fact that they have, um, you know, come out on the other side the way that they have is just amazing. And obviously the results speak for themselves. Uh, it was announced the number one album in the UK last week, which is crazy. I mean, I, I already like just feel like this is one of the biggest bands in the UK. And then to think that they hadn't even, I mean, their previous highest charting album was number 16. So, I mean, the um, the overall response has been fantastic for them. Um, and yeah, again, just the the idea of a, a rebirth here makes so much sense. I, I want to talk just for a minute about Sam Carter. So I have been saying for a few years that Sam is the best vocalist in heavy music. And there's a couple things that go with that. One, if you listen across their albums, his growth of what he's capable of doing as a vocalist, um, you know, as a screamer, as a singer, I mean, it, it's incredible to watch how wide his spectrum of vocals have expanded just even over the past like four albums it's incredible to see and then when you think about one uh you know this is somebody that was tasked with you know sharing the lyrics of somebody who knew that they were terminally ill on one album and then the next album is delivering the lyrics of the brother who who lost their brother Uh, he's the weight that sam has had to carry with this band and what he's delivered has been just utterly phenomenal and to think that now with this new album i I would say that this is the best work that he's done um what you know what what has your experience been like in in watching sam's growth yeah i think you put it really well like he's definitely one of the strongest um singers not i mean you can just say just singers of any type of style of music he's definitely really great in, in the metalcore um kind of genre but yeah he really gets to uh um flex those muscles a little bit throughout this record with a lot more you know singing and i would say like controlled screaming where it's a little it's not like full-on screaming but it's like kind of like that middle ground he does a lot of that um yeah it's it's insane how much um the vocals have improved from from record to record and i think you know that's it's for any type of metalcore band or hardcore band i think to like kind of survive and make this a career like the vocals do get better i mean you can listen to like every time i die is a perfect example of how how keith has improved on his singing Mm -hmm. over the years um i remember talking to him many years ago we were talking about hot damn and he was talking about how he, that was around the same time. It was right before it was right after the, the, the first use record came out and he listened to that record and he was like, Oh no, I'm doing this all wrong. Like I can't sing. And so (laughs) it's just kind of funny. Like, yeah, I think you want to, you always want to challenge yourself as a musician. And I think the best, bands of the genre that succeed are the ones that yeah their their vocalists rise up to that challenge and they add different techniques or deliveries or dimensions to how they they approach a song um and sam's definitely definitely up there it's um his voice i mean his voice is very distinguished like you know it's him right away it's not it's not a copy of anyone's voice it's uniquely his own and anytime a band can get a singer that has a voice that's that's uniquely their own, they 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 are primed for pretty good things, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you talked a little bit earlier about the content of this album, and um, it, it really is. 
I mean, there's there's a lot going on here. I think at its core, um, you know, I, I talked in my review about the the line on the uh, pre-chorus of Black Lungs, where Sam says, um, what would you do to stay alive if the planet was burning? I mean, there's definitely mm-hmm. an undercurrent here of talking about climate change um, and just the, the um, power structures that put our planet in a potential place of peril. Um, and, you know, the... the Messages like this aren't necessarily new to architects. They've always had like a, a really unique approach to what they're talking about in their music, uh, be it political, existential. And I think that this album was a really beautiful encapsulation. I, th- I think that they delivered the message they were trying to give perfectly. Um, and I think that one of the reasons that's exciting to me is, I mean, we spent, you know, a, a decade and a half, two decades in, in the scene of listening to, and, and this is really reductive, but it's how I talk about it, of listening to <laughs> dudes with guitars sing angry songs about uh, about failed relationships, you know, and, and I, I had said, you know, back around 2013 when Let Live was really kind of making their mark on the scene, like we, we need bands that have something to say um, if the scene has any chance of surviving. So when you, you look across the landscape today, seeing a band like Fever 333, seeing a band like Architects, this this is the stuff that um, if if there's any future for, you know, alternative rock music, whatever, whatever you want to call this, um, it has to be bands that really are coming to the table um, w- with something to say. And for me, I think that's really exciting to see. And I think Architects have done, um, you know, a beautiful job in that regard with this album. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it. Um, you definitely could tell... I could tell right away when I heard this record for the first time, just like the change, the ideology change, I guess, where, you know, the the previous kind of records are just kind of like very, very kind of pessimistic. There was very little mm-hmm. optim, optimism lyrically. And I mean, for good, for good reason. But yeah, I think um, Dan just kind of mentioned to me when we were talking about the record, how, you know, it's kind of just like owning up to it and like realizing like we can still try to do something to make, you know, everyday life, if not better just for us, better for the people around us too. And you hear that in this lyrics throughout. Uh, I think not only are they kind of taking the listeners to task, I think throughout they're just kind of taking themselves to task. It's kind of a lot of right. self-reflection, I think, on kind of like what they've written about it and about in the past and kind of, you know, having an about face about it and realizing, you know, there's no, there's no honor in quitting. And I think that record, this record kind of, if I had to sum it up, it's kind of like, you know, yeah, they lost someone very close to them in Tom. And mm-hmm. it's obviously really easy to give up when something like that happens. And I think, you know, I think that definitely, changed obviously all their perspectives on 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 everyday life and it it's it was reflected a little bit on holy hell but i think that was more just kind of like that was really dealing with like the the immediate after effect of losing right. tom yeah and this is definitely you know how how do you how do you respect someone you lost like that like how do you respect the, the life they lived going forward with your own life i think that's what this record's doing. Like they know, they know that humans are the reason for the planet burning, Mm -hmm. but how, how can we rise up and try to make things better for during the time we have left here? 
And yep. I think, you know, they've always lived that in their, their, their personal lives. You know, they always, they're very, um, you know, they're champions for, you know, sustainability and, you know, Sam, they work with, you know, they work with Sea Shepherd and like they, they're critics, you know, like hunting and like, like, you know, fox hunting and stuff like that. So they've always had a focus on trying to make the planet better, but it's the first time it's really been reflected in the music and yeah, it's just cool to hear. It's, um, you can only, you can only take so much, uh, pessimism all the time all the time <laughs> and i think i don't think this record is you know extremely optimistic i think it, it it's just very realistic and right. it, it's really cool and how how they went about it throughout the record so you had uh mentioned that um, your favorite songs on the album changed with multiple listens uh what would you say are your favorite tracks off the album right now currently that's a great question. Um, the ones that I really like, there's a few songs that I've liked that are just that, that are just strong the whole time that I've liked since the very beginning. And um, I really like I really like Discourse is Dead. Um, Impermanence is a lot of fun, and mm-hmm. um, Goliath is really cool too. And yeah. Um, yeah, currently like Little Wonder. I really, really like listening to um, di- the last track, the Dying is Absolutely Sick, is a really cool way to finish the record. It's yeah. kind of like how how they they kind of bookmarked it um, with like the slower kind of orchestral tracks. I remember Dan said something about this kind of like being like a double record where it, it opens like that with the strings and it kind of closes like that. And then Flight Without Feathers is kind of like the middle point um where they kind of slow it down before yeah. getting back up the energy um yeah that those are kind of the ones i love a lot um i think i think the first half of the record is is really it's really heavy and then the second half is where they kind of experiment a little bit more or, or try different things mm-hmm. so it's it's pretty cool how it's sequenced i think i think yep. it flows really well it never it never feels like it never feels like it's an hour long when i listen to it yeah i agree and and that was kind of even one of the weird things when I saw people reacting with it feeling repetitive or something. I was just like, I, I don't really see that. Um, I feel like there's a there's a lot here, and the way that it that it is constructed um, is really great to take in as a whole. Um, you know, for me, I, I I liked animals when it came out. When I heard Black Lungs, I was like, I am in. I, I still <laughs> and even after hearing the full album, I just love that song so damn much. Um, mm-hmm. Impermanence, Flight Without Feathers, but the the big one for me is Goliath. I cannot get over how much I love that song. And that riff from uh, Josh Middleton is just nasty on it. The The funny thing is um, it's got a guest appearance. There's a few tracks that um, they've got guest vocalists on. So Simon Neal of Biffy Claro's on uh, this track, and I've never heard him before. And I was driving in my car listening to that song for the first time, and that bridge hits where he's screaming over that riff. And I was like, what the hell? Like, this is, this is crazy. Who is this? And I was so excited to like, go listen uh, to more of that. But that dude, like apparently doesn't scream on his, like in his actual band. So um, the fact that they, they got that performance out of him on that bridge is, is pretty wild. But, um, but yeah, that, that song has definitely been my, my favorite for right now. Um, So one of the things that we do on this podcast, we'll we'll do, um, uh, we do a lot of these episodes where we, 
uh, it's just focused on one band and we rank their their whole discography. Um, we're not going to do that right now, but I do want to put you <laughs> on the spot if you're willing for one specific uh uh, idea here. If we were just to look at the epitaph years for architects and take a look at the past four albums, um, do you feel like you're able to rank those four? And, and again, I know this is like a dumb exercise. We only do this for bands that we love all of their albums. So that way it's never like, oh, here's the album that sucks or whatever. <laughs> these, these four albums I would put up against almost anything. Um, I don't know how you feel, but w- do you have an idea of how you would uh, rank them? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I, I think about their epitaph years. Yeah, they're very, uh, they're so they're super strong. It's a really good, you know, four album run. And um, I would have to say my favorite one of the four will probably always be "All Our Gods Has Has Abandoned Us." Um, that mm-hmm. one, I I love that one a lot. I think, I think that is probably the the just like the best pure architects record um that they ever made um but i would say the new one is probably right up there it would be a close number two um and then i would probably put um lost forever at three and then holy hell at number four um that's probably the way i would go usually when i rank records i rank them in a way and if I was going to listen to only Architects for a day, which record would I start with first and which one would I end yes. with? And that's kind of that's kind of how it'd probably go for me if I was going to spin all four of those records in a day. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, you know, you putting All Our Gods of Amandus at the top, I mean, you're certainly not alone. I think the general consensus is probably that that is the best of the four. And when I rank them, I'm, I'm trying to take all, there's so many things to take into account and it's such a dumb exercise anyway, but it's fun. Um, but I, I take such a personal lean to it. And I think about where I was in my life. I think about what those songs mean to me in the moment. And because mm-hmm. of that lost forever, lost together ranks as the top one, even though like, I'm not like, I would totally hear and, and agree to an argument where somebody's like, yeah, but all our gods of Abandus is actually technically a, a better album. Um, so uh, at that point, it gets kind of murky for me, but I feel like if I had to rank him, I would probably go uh, Lost Together, Holy Hell, All Our Gods, and um, you know, and, and the new one. And, and then I feel even dumb saying that uh, the the new album is number four of the of the four because it's really fucking good, and it might even uh, climb up as the as the weeks go on here. But, mm-hmm. but all this to say, these are four really great albums from uh, just a, a legendary band in the heavy music scene. So um, I'm, I'm glad you were willing to come on the show and talk a little bit about that before we uh, wrap up and I let you go. Um, what other albums are you looking forward to um, in 2021 genre aside? Like are there certain things sticking out to you that you're really excited about? Oh yeah, definitely. I think um, there's a couple records that are coming out that I think are very cool. I know, um, I mean, this past week, um, Tiger's Jaw and Adult Mom put out their records and, yeah. and Regional Justice Center. Those are, I've been listening to those three a lot. Um, there's a couple records that are coming out that I'm really excited about that I can't necessarily say just yet, but I think mm. people will be really stoked on them. Um, yeah, the new Manchester Orchestra record, um, people are going to go wild for. Um, 
And I know um, there's a record from a um, band called Big Brave that's going to be really cool that, that's coming out on Southern Lore. That's pretty kind of like trony and heavy um, okay. that are cool. And, and the new uh, Gojira record at the end of April, I'm really nice. looking forward to. Um, and I probably have to shout out the the Kali and Mazi record that's coming out on uh, Take This to Heart at the end of March as well too. I think um, okay, that's gonna hit a spot uh like an alternative type of emo spot that a lot of people have been waiting for something to scratch that itch. I think a lot of people are gonna like that record. It's called yeah. Laughs. <laughs> Very cool. Well, we're gonna have a lot of speculation about these uh, unknown albums that are coming our <laughs> way. I can. <laughs> I'm excited to find out. Um, are are you still doing your newsletter? Yeah, I still I still do it every now and then. Um, and I'm weird. I don't know if I'm weird, but like, I it's hard for me to just like pump out something every week, even though I need to get better at that. I'm I'm playing around with some ideas of just like some newsletter like gimmicks or constructs, or like makes me write at least one or two every week, whether it's like the five or 10 best songs I heard in a week or like a, a yeah. an album kind of roundup, but yeah, I still do the, the newsletter. It's in my, I think you can just search Drew Baringer Substack or whatever it is, Substract, Substack. Um, my, my newsletter is called um, bad zine. Everyone's fault a play off the great jawbreaker song. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's basically that. And, you know, still some interviews and some, uh, some reviews on chorus, like always. So yeah, I don't know, just, just follow me on Twitter. I have terrible takes on there. So you can, people can yell <laughs> at me on there if they want to. Yeah. If you, uh, the, the best part about following Drew on Twitter is when one of his favorite sports teams is, um, in the, in the middle of a game, uh, specifically the ones where they're losing and then they come back to win and he has to delete all of his, his tweets about. How <laughs> yeah. Those <laughs> are, I, I, I've, I've, I've definitely tried to not tweet as much when I'm watching my teams play for that very reason. So I've, I've gotten better at that, but then I do something where I rank all the saves of day records and I put in reverie first and oh can't, slow down, can't slow down last and then everybody gets mad at me on Twitter. But it was that worth was it. fantastic. Well, <laughs> Drew, thank you for coming on the show today. I really appreciate your time. This has been great. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Another big thank you to Drew Baringer for coming on the show today. Um, huge fan of his work. If you want to check out more again, follow him on Twitter, sign up for his newsletter, check out chorus.fm. Uh, that is going to do it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we would love to hear from you. If you want to leave us a review, find us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Uh, let us know how we're doing. And of course, come to It's All Dead dot com for um, a whole bunch of stuff of uh, us writing and talking about music that hopefully you enjoy too so that's going to do it for today's show thank you so much for joining us i'm kyle hawk and we'll catch you next time thanks for listening to the it's all dead podcast if you like what you heard be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app then visit us at it's all dead dot com for the latest music news reviews and much more 